Welcome to How to Lose a Girl in 10 Days, the podcast where we talk about the opinions of old people and young people from fair wages, carbon zero, sheen halls, and everything else in between. Hi guys, welcome to How to Lose a Girl in 10 Days. My name's Holly. And I'm Zandy, and we're your host for today's episode. The topic of which is going to be trickle-down economics. If you're scared now, don't be. Be scared. Be afraid of economic theory. That's me most of my life. Don't worry, it's not that scary. If, if I can understand it, anybody can understand it. I, I can attest. Holly, when she sees a number, has a panic attack. Yeah, I, it, it, do, it doesn't end well for me. Numbers just don't agree with me. But a little announcement uh, before we get into the content of today's episode, we'd like to do a big shout out to Salient. We're really excited to be working with them now. So they've picked us up. So it means that you get this really nice crisp audio quality that we have going on in their recording studio. Um, and look out for us, ho- hopefully in Salient mags. We might be featured there a little bit more often and follow their Salient's podcast Instagram page as well, because hopefully we'll be on there too. We'd also like to give a big thank you to Alex, the podcast manager for Salient, for helping set us all up like this. He slays. Thank you He's so awesome. much, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Alex. <laughs> awesome. So getting into today's episode, which is trickle-down economics. So firstly, before we explain what it is, because it's quite a large concept to grasp, we'll kind of tell you why we're talking about it a little bit. Yeah, Because when you come close to election cycle, you will notice... Trickle down economics, or like other work, like other phrases for it, like maybe neoliberalism or other stuff like that, come into the discourse quite a bit. Like p- parties, especially Act National, bring it up a lot, trying to use it to justify their policies, without ever actually explaining what it is and how it works. So today we're just sort of telling you how it works and the pitfalls with it, and just giving you a bit of a critical analysis of it as a concept. Yeah. So trickle down economics is like kind of like the keystone of almost like pure capitalism, right? So it. It definitely exists on a scale because the concept is basically if you put money in at the top or if you give benefits to the people at the top of the like pyramid, they'll kind of trickle down and then you'll get benefits at the bottom as well. We'll explain to you why or why not this works or doesn't work. Um, but yeah, so you can give varying amounts of, I don't know, tax breaks and benefits to the people at the top. So it, it exists on a scale, but it, it's basically the idea of at the top you get more advantage and they believe that that can create um, like success within society as well. Yeah, like essentially it's the idea that if the people at the top get more money, the rest of us also end up getting more money. So now we're going to talk about what actually is trickle-down economics. Yeah. So like, what are some examples of policy? The major ones that you might hear about are like tax cuts, lower government regulations on businesses, and lower workplace protections. Right. So basically making it either more profitable to do business or making it cheaper and, more, and faster to do it. The logic underlying this is kind of just like rich people want to get richer. So if you give them more money, supposedly, then they'll invest that back into their own business um, and then create more jobs and then create other benefits for people who are who are at the bottom of this like pyramid yeah. idea. It's exactly like an idle clicker game. Cookie clicker. <laughs> I love it. Zenny has an egg game that he's playing on his phone at the moment. It's just cookie clicker reimagined. And you're so obsessed with it. I'm, I it's you addictive. It in it's Auckland. addictive. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, as a as a more tangible example, say we have this dude called John, and John owns like a 
car body shop. Like, he paints cars for a living, right? So if John can currently paint 100 cars in his shop with his employees... Um, if the government gives him a tax break, the logic is John can take the extra money and then he can, I don't know, buy a new machine or, I don't know, some better quality paint so then he can paint more cars more efficiently. So with this new machine that auto does something for him, he can paint 120 cars instead of 100. And because there's going to be more output there, then you get benefits for other people. Like he might need more people to help run it if he's producing more cars, that, uh, if, if he's painting more cars. That, that, that's the kind yeah. of logic and, behind okay, it. For example, again, Maybe if they want to reduce regulation, John can maybe cut some corners with the paint he uses, use a bit of like a lower quality paint, or with workplace protections, he might be able to get his employees to work longer hours or like maybe like less say like less like rigorous protective equipment as well to make right. And all of this reduces his costs as well, which makes it more profitable for him to do business. Yeah, I think that going deeper into the idea of like regulation, it's like he doesn't have to make sure that there's like a guy who comes in who can tick off all the sheets and check all his workplace and be like, yes, your employees are really safe. Yes, your paint doesn't contain toxic chemicals. And like going through all that paperwork takes a lot of time. Sometimes it takes money and sometimes you need to like upkeep a lot of other things in the business that people think maybe aren't even that necessary for like the product that you're producing in a sense. So because of that logic, Logic, people think you can get rid of some kind of re- regulations and protections and then focus on how much you can produce because that creates the greater good for like yeah. m- hiring more people and, and the, making more money. The reason why this is good is imagine you've got a bunch of people like John and now they can, they're all trying to hire more employees and they're all producing more stuff. Because they're all producing more stuff, right? The yeah. idea is, is that because of supply and demand, and you'll hear this a lot, supply and demand, it'll make stuff cheaper to buy because you know there's more stuff in the market. They're competing against yeah. each other. They're lowering costs down. And likewise, because there's more jobs open, right? the idea is that workers now have more opportunity to go between jobs and there's higher demand for them and their wages also go up. That's the underpinning mm, logic. Mm, yeah, exactly. And that's the sort of idea of how these benefits trickle down. So you get, the idea is you get cheaper goods and you get higher wages, ostensibly. But I, so what we're going to talk about in the meat of today's podcast is kind of, is what's good for businesses also inherently good for society? Because I think that that's like a tricky question of just like assuming that the success of business means the success of the community and that doesn't necessarily translate. So now we're going to get into criticisms of trickle-down economics and why it doesn't necessarily work with John hiring all of his nice employees and paying them high wages and painting a million cars. So that's what we can tell you about next. So just sort of just think about some of the major policies that we've talked about with trickle economics, like lowering, like reducing regulation and lowering workplace protections. Now, that's really good for John, who's owning this, this dealership, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's necessarily good for you, the consumer, because it might mean you get cheaper goods. But it might also mean, like I was sort of hinting at before, the paint he's using isn't high quality or it might contain some sort of, you know, dangerous chemical. Toxic chemicals. Right. But because John doesn't have to worry about that and there's no regulation, he can get away with doing that. That being said, can I say something really quickly? I bought like some guitar picks a while back and then I saw in the back end of the packet, it was like, disclaimer, like, 
like chemicals may cause cancer or something and then it linked you to like the like the regulation and i remember i think i was messaging you about this or i was messaging somebody about this and i was like why the why are my guitar picks gonna cause me cancer and i could find no actual reason why i was very concerned i, I saw a, a TikTok by john green that explained this perfectly oh, yesterday. wonderful i need yeah. to hear about basically this. in the 70s 80s i'm not entirely sure when so don't quote me on that California passed a referendum into their constitution, yeah. basically requiring that if a product has a greater than one in a hundred thousand chance of increasing your risk of cancer, they have to, they label, have to it? label it. So that's why. That, How do you that's prove what, that? Wild. Well, I think they say like so. Basically, what it means in California is a lot of st- products just say, say could, can could cause cancer, cancer, whereas stuff like alcohol or smoking, which is much more likely to cause cancer. Has the same label, so it doesn't didn't it didn't work as intended because we, the science improved. We realized a lot so of stuff confused. caused cancer. I was like, maybe if I ingest my guitar picks, then maybe. But anyways, we're getting a little off. Track. A little I just track. thought that was a really interesting story. Um, <laughs> but basically, basically reducing regulation when it comes to like what you can like put in products means that the stuff you're getting isn't necessarily as safe as you otherwise might be. And likewise, reducing impl- like workplace protections. Because let's be honest. As a worker, that's really bad. As a worker, it's bad. Right? Like, and let's be honest. Most of us aren't business owners. We don't own our own businesses. We're workers. Right? We work for these Literally. guys. I mean, I'd be surprised that anyone listening here probably owns their own business. But moving on. Uh, most Hopefully of, you're all really, yeah. really successful. Yeah, we really hope that <laughs> is. But I think as it is, most uni students are workers. Right? And most young people. And most people in general are workers. And this means that when we lower workplace protections, it puts your health directly at risk, right? Because you're being asked to work in less safe conditions, maybe for longer hours. And there's all these sort of protections that we take necessarily take for granted, you know, in New Zealand that, you know, might slowly be eroded because of this idea that it makes it cheaper in the business owner and what's good for the business owner is good for society. So your health is directly being put in danger for lower quality goods to be produced yeah and and also people will argue oh well like if you're getting treated really badly at work you can just um like switch jobs but that 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 isn't necessarily the reality for so many people in this country who like i know so many university students who are just like wanting to find a job that like somewhat works with their schedule that they can actually do while studying and that doesn't leave them with very many options of things they're qualified to do so in reality you've maybe got like one or two jobs and if both of the employers are trying to like lower the protections as much as possible then like the baseline for your employee protection is actually just really bad and I don't think that you actually have as much movement as they try to tell you you do like I think it ignores a lot of the nuance of like people really just be trying to live out here you know exactly. I mean, but also like if every company like let's say you have some certain skills right and if every company you want to work for that like has job things for those skills also trying to lower work protections you don't actually have any options where you go yeah literally that's what I'm saying and they sort of have to to stay competitive right because let's say let's say John is a competitor right and he doesn't want to lower workplace protection because John does, and he can now make more money and produce more stuff slightly more cheaply. Um, he's losing business, he's losing customers, and he has to lower his prices to compete. And the only way he's going to be able to do that is also cutting, work cutting workplace protections, which is why regulation Literally. and workplace protections can be so important. Hmm, exactly. Also, we think it's just bad that like workers are exposed to like dangerous heavy machinery and toxic chemicals yeah. <laughs> like, i think it's just like a basic human decency thing right like, exactly. I mean, like so this is just sort of like targeting the actual like it's like some of the policies that you see promoting yeah. trickle economics but, but I, I think i think the way that i like to describe it like the failure of trickle down economics is like if you put money in at the top it's kind of like the cuba bucket fountain except that imagine the water is just golden syrup like if you if you just have golden syrup going in at the top the amount of golden syrup you have right at 
at the bottom is going to be so significantly less. Because, and then that gets even worse if you imagine that these are all just people stacked on top of each other and the dude at the top is literally trying to like shovel as much golden syrup as he physically can into his mouth before it gets to anybody else so then he can get the benefit. So, like, I'm like, like the, the person at the bottom of the Cuba Street bucket fountain trying to drink golden syrup is really not getting that much compared to the dude who gets the first. Yeah, it's sort of like, did you see that movie, Um, like, is it the platform where you have a whole bunch, you have like a hundred different platforms and there's one guy in every platform. At the start of every day, there's this giant feast that gets lower from the top, the first platform down downwards. And every guy from the top downwards just devours as much as they possibly can. So by the time it gets to the bottom, the guys at the bottom don't have much they can possibly eat. It's really dystopian, but it is sort of like a critique of the system. Like, I guess, like, we've talked a lot about, like, the dangers of, like, the policies that are used to bring particular economics, but there's actually, there's there's actual real issues with the logic that underpins it as well. Because, like, trickle-down economics sort of relies on three main assumptions. The first assumption is that rich people enjoy being rich, right? I think that's pretty true. But the other two are slightly less true. Like, it's this idea that investing in productivity and efficiency, like investing in your own business, is the only way to gain more money. And that we live in a perfect free market system. And that is like every single company is on the same footing, right? And these, the, the second two assumptions don't really hold true in the real world. Like, the thing is, is that it's all well and good to say, hey, if you put more money into your business, you'll get more money. Right, but at the end of the day, that's a risk. Because let's say John goes out and says, "Okay, I got the tax break. I'm going to buy this fancy new machine that's going to make me and I can produce I don't know twice the paint twice as many cars at the same time." Yeah. Right, but what happens if the investment doesn't pay out? Because there's a good chance it won't. Right, there's a good chance that there just won't be enough people who want to be like, "Hey, actually, I want to have my car painted," and as a result, he can't actually really do like he he can't he can't get his money back from the machine, so he loses the investment. And there's a lot of other investments in our society that are seen as much less risky, right? For instance, the stock market. Like, long term. Like, long term. Like, I'm sure if you read the papers, you know, every now and again, you'll know that the stock market does sometimes go down. The papers. Nobody reads the papers. Uh, I mean, okay, papers. (laughs) I read the papers. I read the papers. But like, but like, headlines in general. Like, you'll read, well, if you're on TikTok, you'll be like, stock market going down. Stock market going down. But by and large. I think you're the only one who gets these TikToks. My TikToks are literally just like little ducklings playing in ponds. Anyway. That's true. Okay, okay. (laughs) But anyways, <laughs> anyways, basically, the stock market has times where it does go down, but year on year, it usually performs really strongly. So even if there's like a dip one year, over a long-term period, it'll just continue to grow. It'll continue to grow. And, but overall, what that means is that like instead of investing in like a new machinery or like increasing productivity in his own business, he can just chuck all of this money into the stock market. right? And money in the stock market isn't actually... Doing useful. anything? It's not doing that anything, good. right? Like I was talking about Holly. Like when we were playing this podcast, I was talking about Holly, and she was like, "Well, isn't higher stock prices good for the company?" But the thing is, it's not actually. Like, the the company itself doesn't benefit from someone owning their stocks. They only benefit when they first sell their stocks, right? Hmm. So, like, imagine this way, right? Like, let's say, let's say I buy a stock from Apple. Like, Apple sells me one of their stocks for like five dollars, and like ten years later. Holly comes up to me and is like, hey, I've got $15. I want to buy your, your Apple stock. And I'm like, okay, cool. So now I've made, I've got $15. So which means I made $10 profit. Apple still has that original $5 that I gave them for my, you know, when I first bought the share. And Holly now owns a share of Apple, right? So although the, the value of this Apple share has gone from being like $5 to $15, Apple hasn't seen any gain, right? Only I have as an investor. 
from the stocks. From yeah. the stocks. So the stock market's only not actually stock market being good isn't necessarily good for the economy. It's only good for those who are investing in the stocks in the first place, which, mm. like or not, is usually these rich people, right? Yeah. So therefore, policies that allow like like the fact that most of these like most rich people, when given a tax break, will just plow it straight back into the stock market. Mm. And like, if you have enough disposable income to be spending on stocks, then you're probably not doing too badly, right? Yeah. Like, you're not the kind of person going from paycheck to paycheck if you're like investing enough money to get a good return on exactly. stocks. I mean, and like, let's be honest here, most of us don't have stocks. If we do have stocks, it's like not enough to make a lot of money from. Mm, yes, I've lost so much money in my stocks. Oh, don't. Even I'm get me I'm outing myself investing in stocks. It's because my dad told me to. Don't come for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wrong time, bad time, bad time. <laughs> Literally. Like Currently gone really badly for me because the stock market just crashed over the past two years. So I've lost so much money. <laughs> but yeah. And like the other major issue with this whole theory of trickle-down economics is just this idea that we have a perfect free market system and that's like every company's on yeah. the same footing. Because like, let's be honest here, Google is going to benefit a lot more from any sort of tax cut than like some small mama and papa internet business, like some small Kiwi owned, like yeah. has like five employees business, right? Mm. And as a result, Google with the extra money, Google can just go out and buy these extra companies. Yeah, like, and like and like I think that that's obvious. And if if you if you look at any like wealth distribution stats in New Zealand, it's really bad. Like one percent of our population owns like. 20 to 25 percent of the total wealth in new zealand which is like criminal that's so bad and then like i can't remember specific numbers but then it was like the lowest like like oh i think it was like the two million people in the bottom of new zealand's wealth only own like two percent yeah so put in, the, put that in perspective i think from that same stats that holly is talking about the top the richest one percent of this country own more wealth than the bottom 50 percent of our population put together yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that means any sort of tax reckoning is going to benefit these guys immensely. Because because they're the ones who like own all of these business. Like when you're talking about wealth, you're talking about business investments. You're talking about like owning companies, um, owning, owning housing. House, yeah. yeah. Like any kind of asset you own con- c- contributes towards wealth. So these are people who are owning businesses, and these are people who are going to benefit if you take this up. And basically, the fact that they now get more money means they can more effectively keep their own money because they can. Like when I was talking about Google before, no, but like imagine an example of Google. They can just buy out this like small like New Zealand Ki- like Kiwi firm that's like IT firm that's competing against them, and they just have less competition, which means at the end of the day they don't actually have to. Because the whole idea of trickle down economics is that you have all these people making more stuff and making it more cheaply. So, so therefore, then there's like heaps of competition, this, which will drive prices down. But when you have companies just using these extra money to buy out their competitors. It just gets a result where they don't actually have an incentive to lower their prices. It's like monopoly. It's literally called yeah. a monopoly. It's called you a monopoly. end up owning everything on the board. Yeah. You don't have anybody to work against you. Exactly. And it also means that you don't have an incentive to lower your prices. So what does sometimes happen, and what's a really valid critique of trickle economics, is it just means you get the very richest people becoming way richer and like you have companies increasing their profit margins rather than lowering actual it is, costs it is literally just like the game monopoly i'm thinking about this right now the more properties you own on the board the more money you gain and the more that everybody else just loses the game and they lose it faster you, you know, know i did hear an interesting take about monopoly the other day oh what was it if nobody buys any property I no one this. loses and everyone makes money literally so there you have it but that's that's zandy's communist <laughs> take of the day <laughs> I would but, say communist. It's just a fun part of my communist. TikTok. That's so funny. But um, also, I think that there is an issue just assuming trickle-down economics will work in the system that we're under because under capitalism, right, 
you cannot reach a point sustainably where you have no unemployment because people who own businesses want unemployment to exist. Because if you think about John and he owns his car company and he has, I don't know, like two jobs available. If there's like 20 people who want those two jobs, then the 20 people have got to kind of like convince John to hire them. So what that looks like is then like accepting lower wages, um, giving up their employee benefits, working for longer hours, stuff like that, because they want to prove they'll be the most valuable to John, right? But if John has, I don't know, 10 job openings and, and there's five. only five people who want it then he has to convince those people to work for him and what that looks like is them is like him raising wages or being like i give you these benefits especially and like, when there know? are other people out there who are also trying to hire people yeah right? so exactly. john's gonna be like well it's better to work for me than it's to work for him mm, precisely so as soon as as soon as there is low unemployment that's really bad for businesses because they have to spend more money to to get employees so Essentially, anybody who owns a business benefits off unemployment existing, which is just really, really bad. Because if you, th- if you think about the kind of people who are influencing policy, it's not people who are working class and are working three jobs to like support their family and are probably the most affected by a lot of policy. But it's going to be rich, rich businessmen who have a lot of free time and can be their own boss and like have time to like lobby politicians and pay them large donations of money to make sure that they get like beneficial legislation. <laughs> I mean, like, Holly does make a good point because you got basically what this does is you put more power in the hands of the rich whose like whose values and like interests don't necessarily line up for your own and you expect them to basically promote your interests. I, I guess it's sort of like going to your boss and being like, hey, um, here's some of my paycheck. Go hire some more people and that way you'll raise my wages, right? It's, that just doesn't make sense to me. Zen, yeah. Zenny tried to explain this to me I try to explain. I try to explain this to Holly before. But, but I am. I, I. I am a little stupid sometimes. Yeah. It's. it's <laughs> I, the, the, I mean, I guess the basic concept of trickle down economics is it's taking money that could otherwise be spent on hospitals or like schools for you, and giving it to your bosses and expecting your bosses to yeah then help you build more schools and more hospitals. Yeah, because because I think that directly the comparative is just like, we don't give these businessmen tax cuts, which means that more money goes to the government and they just invest that in like equitable education and healthcare and stuff like that, like good social benefits for people who are struggling. Because like, no matter what you think of the government, they their job there is ostensibly to promote your well-being, whereas a company is to promote the shareholder's bottom line, yeah. right? So it's an entirely different system of priorities and they're, they're more likely the government will, you know, line up yours instead of... And I guess the other the other major thing argument used to promote trickle-down economics is it's like, it means you get more of your money to spend and the government isn't taking from you, right? Mm. But again, the people who benefit from tax cuts aren't you. Like, if, if I, if like, like I, I'm, I am like, I have like a 10% tax rate like at the moment or something like that, right? Like, I make nothing, guys. I'm poor. I am broke uni student. But like, I don't pay the government that much in taxes a year, right? Mm. The people who really are going to benefit from like having reduced tax rate, people who are earning like 100000 200000 300000 even like half a million dollars a year, those guys who are really going to benefit. So by giving them a tax cut, you aren't giving yourself more money to spend, you're just giving them more money to spend and less to be money to be spent on yourself. It's sort of what I'm trying to get yeah, at when I'm talking yeah. to Holly. You get more benefit from everybody in society contributing a little bit to the government and then that gets evenly distributed as opposed to if they 
let you keep more of your money. If you're only earning a little bit, then you only get a little bit of tax money back and you can't, and like that little bit of tax money isn't going to affect your like ability to like pay for doctor's appointments and like private health care if you're really, really ill and that kind of like, thing. Like, yes, I might have an extra $10 a week. But what my GP appointment costs $40. Yeah, a rip so. off. Unless you register with Student Health at Vic. This is this is this is a shout out. This is this, a is, shout out. this is a good life hack for students. Free healthcare. Well, I mean we are still paying for it. We are we are still paying like, for like, it, so like, make the most of it. I say free. Like you're already <laughs> paying for it, so you may as well be. You may as well it. use it. Use your use your community and student services. So yeah, essentially trick down economics I'm not a big fan of. And the reason is is just that it doesn't necessarily do what it says it's going to do. And it just means the richest get richer. And they're int- and the poorest and get poorer. The poorest get poorer, and the rich just get more powerful and get better at staying richer. Yeah, literally. Um, and like, if you just don't believe that that's true, like any wealth distribution stats of like over any period of recent history just show you that that is true. Like, we've just our wealth inequality has grown so terrible yeah, compared right. to what it was. Yeah, actually, that's that's an interesting point because I don't know how many of you know this, right? But New Zealand didn't used to be. Um, New Zealand used to be very left-wing in its economic policy, so much so that I believe during the 60s we were referred to in Europe as the closest, as like, as basically being in the, like, Warsaw Pact. Like, oh, like what? Like, I didn't know like, this. We were, we were always an ally of, like, the US and whatever, right? But our economic policy was such that, like, we wouldn't have been too different from, like, the, like, the communists in, like, huh, in, like, like Hungary or whatever. Right. And what happened during the 80s? Was they got rid of all these ideas? They got rid of the idea that you know, like income equality and like, like low employment is like the be all and end all. And they said, well, trickle down economics will mean that everyone gets richer, right? They they had some other word for it. I can't remember what it was, but they went really hard on that. And what you've seen since then is the skyrocketing in income inequality, right? And although wages have supposedly grown, I, I when I was bored one day at work, it sometimes happens, <laughs> as you do at office jobs, but. I was like, okay, so how much have wages actually risen have we, like, since, since like, the 80s? And it turns out the median wage in New Zealand has remained exactly the same, or maybe gone up $1,000. The median wage? The median wage has oh basically gosh. remained static since the 90s if we discount inflation. Ooh. Right, and before then it was rising every year. Wait, do you mean if you account for inflation or discount? Yeah, no, if, if, we, if we say, okay, if we say, here's, if we, like, say, okay, so this is the wage nowadays, this was the wage back then. People are like, okay, wages have gone up. If we say, well, if we take away the, the effects of inflation and we say, and we, we say the inflation rate year on year has been X, Y, and Z, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Then accounting for all of that means wages haven't actually grown, right? So what you're getting is that you're getting this massive income inequality. So you get the richest are getting benefiting really massively from it. But the average pay in New Zealand is pretty much the same. Literally. And then that just causes other issues like the fact that I have to come to terms with the fact that I will never own a house. You can even think of owning a house. I can't think of owning a house. That makes me really sad. I just want a little white picket fence and own pets. No landlord wants me to have pets, and that upsets me. Oh, you also never got a flat by yourself. <sighs> Disappointing times. Yeah. Okay, so that is that is an overview of 
trickle-down economics, what people argue it does, what it supposedly does, and then kind of an analysis of why it doesn't necessarily work in that way. With a crisp um, audio quality. Crisp audio quality. I'm <laughs> loving it. It is weirding me out hearing myself through these headphones, though. Yeah. Do I actually sound like this? Because I don't like it. Terrifying. Um, but we will also do a bit of a discussion on alternative economic theories as well. But we've spoken for a long time today, so we'll make a part two about that one. Um, yeah, just discussing other opinions people have say we should form the economy in this way or this way and we'll talk about those and the critiques of them and just do a little bit about that because it's useless criticizing something if you don't propose something better exactly because like yes there are flaws in trickle economics but what are the other solutions so what we're going to be talking about those in t- next week's episode exactly. so we hope you join us again thank you for listening